Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 85 here on blocktalkradio.com. My name is Felipe Leon, and like always, with us from the Inland Empire in Southern California is Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing today? Very good, Felipe. Thanks. Good, good. Thank you. And in the North Bay area of Northern California is Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how you doing? Hey, good, thanks. Hi, everybody. Well, Hi. Here we are on another show. How's the weather up there, uh, David? It's getting a little hot out there in Riverside, I imagine. It was in the 90s and the 100s last uh, week, but uh, the last few days it's in the lower 80s. Wow, that is getting kind of hot. So in the summer, does it get past a 100, like 105, 110? Oh, yeah, on a regular basis. 105, wow, 105, a, 105. How's it going over there, Lupe, as far as weather? I know you're in the Bay Area, but you're not, like, in San Francisco where I forgot who yeah. the writer was. There was a writer that says, um, what did he say? He said, the coldest winter is the summer I spent in San Francisco or something something like that, some yeah. kind of cold like that. Is that Mark Twain? <laughs> yeah, Mark Twain. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right outside. Yeah, I'm outside the Bay Area. I used to live in the city, and that, that got old because you'd have a good day. It's just you always needed a sweater, you know. So now I'm in the East Bay, and today was maybe 80. It was nice. It was perfect. Nice. Here in in Southern California, in San Diego, where I'm at, over Tijuana, um, it was kind of cloudy, and it was it wasn't cold. But it was kind of cloudy. I went out for a, a kind of a, of a long walk earlier today, like around five-ish actually, and um, I didn't have a sweater on. I felt fine. Um, so, so it's not that hot, but it's not it's not it's not too cold either. Perfect. Well, uh, we're here at another show. Even though there is, there haven't been any fights in female boxing for well over a month, and there isn't any on the horizon. Um, there is still things to talk about, and um, fortunately for us, since we have a little bit more time, we're all in quarantine, we're all at home, we've had the opportunity to put together some interviews of perhaps some female fighters that in the past, because of our live show and the time that we go on and the fact that we didn't have as much time previously, we weren't able to get a hold of. Um, this week, we had uh, the chance to speak to former WBA super middleweight champion, Alicia Napoleon Espinosa, who in the past we had tried to get her on the show, but because we would try to do it while she was on camp um, close to her fight date, like we usually do with fighters, it was too late for her, being that she's on the East Coast, she's in Long Island, and it was too late for her because over there will be 11.30 at night when the show goes live at 7.30. No, it'll be 10.30 at night, the time that we go live at 7.30 West Coast time. 
But today, we had the opportunity to speak to her earlier today in the day, and we do have that recording for you guys coming up in a little bit. But before we go to that, there is some news that I wanted to discuss with the panel here before we go to that interview, because it is quite long. We touched on a lot of subjects with Elisa Napoleon. Uh, the first off, possibly the biggest news in the last couple of weeks was the back and forth between current WBC 130-pound champion Terry Harper of England and world title contender Michaela Mayer of Los Angeles. In a conversation via Twitter, Mayer accused Harper's promoter, Eddie Hearn, of matchroom boxing of buying the title since Harper, number 15 at the time, got the opportunity to challenge then-champion Eva Wallstrom before the number one ranked Mayer did. Um, Hearn mentioned because he got into the conversation as well, mentioned he was willing to invest in Harper and offer more than Top Rank did for that fight, and that's why Harper was able to get the opportunity. Lupe, let's start off with you. You were kind of on top of the of this uh, story as it was coming about on Twitter. Uh, what are your thoughts about that whole conversation they had? First of all, on Twitter you got to be ready for Twitter because if you, if whatever you say on Twitter, you got to be ready to be shredded. And that's just how Twitter is. Um, you know, Michaela had some good points with, with the rankings being ranked number 15. I mean, that's facts. And, but I, I think when she said that her promoter bought a fight, I mean, you got Eddie Hearn in the mix. And everyone's on lockdown right now. Everyone, we all we have, most of us, all we have is time. So, <laughs> I mean, and, and the UK fans, they all piled on. They, the UK fans are great fans. And they're crazy mm-hmm. fans, you know. They're very loyal. So they all jumped on. It was just, it was a pile on. You, you got to be ready for it on Twitter. <laughs> David, what, what were your thoughts uh, on reading the back and forth between them? Well, I... I... It was very accurate, for one thing. Uh, Hearn offered more money than Top Rank did, so they got the fight. And even if there was, uh, e- even if Michaela was number one, um, the champion, you know, had the right to pick whoever. And, of course, she's going to pick the one that offered more money. So, I mean, that being said, uh, that's how Harper got the fight. I mean, her promoter offered more money for the fight, and they got it. And, and that uh, was a but, great fight. Uh, yeah, it was a great fight. And Harper's a good fighter. She's very, very good. Yeah, uh, it was great. But I think uh, I think that there is some, some credence to what Michaela said about, you know, being ranked. Uh, there has to be some kind of a system where it should be the top five, not one through 15 or one through 25 or, you know, our unranked fighters getting the shot. Because, uh, I mean... These girls work too hard to get there, and they sh- so they should get at least some kind of I don't know some not a break, but they should get uh, the upper hand. But uh, I mean that's for another discussion completely. It is another discussion because then you have, and I I totally agree with what you're saying, but then you have a, a boxer like Harper. It's not like Evo stepped down and said I'm going to take this really easy fight. It wasn't an easy fight. That was an incredible fight. That was another fight to start in 2020. Hmm. Very good. Well, um, I mean, there is a system in place. Supposedly, the sanctioning bodies have rules, and and you know the the fact the thing is that the what Mayor 
brought up, which is the major issue here, and it's a it's a subject and a topic that we touched on here on the show various times in the past, is the fact that mm-hmm. the sanctioning bodies are not forcing the champions to face their mandatories. And now there is yeah. a lot of fighters that are being affected by it. One of them being Michaela Mayer, where she's the number one ranked WBC super featherweight in the world. And for whatever reason, the WBC is not mandating the fight. Supposedly, you're, supposedly the rule, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but I'm sure I'm pretty right, is that you, you alternate between your mandatory and a voluntary defense, and the voluntary defense, you get to choose between the top five ranked uh, fighters in your weight division. But here, Very true. they're allowing them to volu- you know, do these voluntary defenses, but they're not doing the mandatory. Because if it would have been the mandatory and if she was up for a mandatory um, defense, then Wallstrom wouldn't have no choice. didn't matter how much money um, they were offering unless they went to a purse bid. And she would have had to fight Mayer or else get stripped of the title. And that is not happening. Mm. Another one, another fighter that's being affected the same way is Kenny Enriquez from Tijuana, who is the exactly. interim mm-hmm. WBC life mm-hmm. lightweight champion. She's been so for nearly three, three years. years. Yeah. yeah. And, and she has not had the opportunity to challenge the full-fledged champion um, in, in, um, in uh, Jesenia Gomez. And the funny part is, because why is there an interim title at 108 pounds? Like, why did, why was Enriquez allowed to fight for that vacant interim t- title? Was because at that time, the full-fledged champion, who at that time was Esmeralda Moreno, she was participating in the flyweight tournament that the WBC put together three years ago. Right, and mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. was participating in that in that um in that tournament, the WBC allowed Enriquez, who I think was ranked number one at the time, to fight for an interim title with the understanding that she would get her chance against Esmeralda Moreno. Well, when Esmeralda Moreno lost that tournament, and she was, you know, I think she made it to the final against Kika Chavez and lost it. Um, she went and defended against Yesenia Gomez. Yesenia beat her, and now Yesenia Gomez becomes the champion. And because her promoter is chummy chummy with Mauricio Suleiman and the WBC, you know, allegedly, that's what I believe, at least what I believe, you know, they haven't forced that mandatory. But then it might not be just the case of the light flyweight division. It might be the case of all mandatories for the WPC because as we can see in this in this instance, Mikaela Mayer is being affected as well because she should have been the one challenging Eva Wallstrom for mm-hmm. the title and now Terry Harper got the opportunity and now Terry Harper is the world champion. Yeah. yeah. The, good, the good thing is that Mikaela is in line for the WBO also. And uh, I, I just recently spoke to her. Well, actually, we messaged each other and she's in Washington D.C. now, training there. And mm-hmm. uh, she she told me that she had planned to win the title at super featherweight and then move up to lightweight, but now she's mm-hmm. not so sure. She feels that the super featherweight division is so hot that why even go? 
I mean, they could mm-hmm. unify and do a, a whole bunch of round-robin fights that would make a lot of money because there's a lot of mm-hmm. interest in that division now, which I agree. I mean, that, it is probably the hottest of all divisions. Well, then, but that doesn't necessarily mean she has to stay there. I mean, she could do all that. She could go and, and, and fight Terry Harper and, and fight all the other names that you included in, in your article this past uh, Monday on the prizefighters.com where you went a little bit in depth into that division. And and then once she once she established herself at 130, she could go up to 135 and see who's there. Katie Taylor might still be there, which would be a big money fight. Oh, that would be good. Any, oh, yeah. yeah or, in, or any other name. And, and with Mayor's size, I mean, I would have, I would have thought that at one point should be at 140, 147, and take on the names, take on the names in those divisions. Jessica McCaskill, Erica Farias, um, anybody you want in those two divisions. She's so tall, and I believe that mm-hmm. with her team, they could um, make her uh, gain the weight uh, the right way. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with that. I mean, first she has to do what she needs to do at 130. And, you know, she would have to do it against Terry Harper, hopefully. And the one that I believe might be a hard to get at 130 is the uh, is, uh, Korean Hyun Min Choi, who I, I hardly ever fight and never fights out of Korea. So that might be the, the tough title to unify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, she, I think the fight that she has lined, it, it hasn't been set in stone, but it looks like the WBO with uh, Iwa uh, Rodnika is the one that if when things get back to normal, that that fight may happen. Well, I mean, if, if she's from Poland and I believe Poland in June is, uh, is scheduling to have some fights behind closed doors uh, with Piotrowska, I think she has a former champ uh, being the semi-main event. So if at one point Bronika is waiting to defend and it's going to be in Poland and this fight card in June is successful, I, I don't see why Mayor wouldn't be willing to go over there and fight if it's a lot sooner than it could happen in the United States. Yeah, no, that's true. Very good point. Now, speaking about closed doors, according to an Irish website, uh, the scheduled world title fight between unified undisputed world champion Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano is now scheduled tentatively for July 4th behind closed doors. The fight will still take take place at the Manchester Arena in Manchester, England. But it's not oh. set in stone. It's not set in stone. Um, I believe that Eddie Hearn has gone on, on record saying that he really would like to um, start up again in June or at the latest in July. And by him mentioning this fight, I believe that this is one that he has on his docket. Um, but it all... It all depends on what happens from here to there. Um, from here, from right now to to June or July and see what the numbers look like as far as in England, I would imagine. Now, with that said... I did, go ahead, David. I did, uh, I did read uh, uh, just uh, yesterday that they were considering putting Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia because they want a fight of that magnitude to have fans. So they're thinking about putting it there. Uh, I don't know, you know, what the situation is like over there in terms of virus. And I, I'm, and from what I read, he wasn't sure either. But they, they kind of want that to happen. And I could very easily foresee them putting Katie Taylor on that same card. 
Well, that story broke a little bit. I mean, I, I, you read it yesterday, but there's more information today where I think oh, it okay. was, I think it was Lance Pugmire or who was it? It was somebody, a big, a big journalist, a big name. I think it was Lance Pugmire. Some, no, no, uh, Mark Kriegel, Mike Kriegel um, posted that there is talks for uh, Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua um, paying Deontay Wilder step aside money, which is kind of, I find it interesting that Deontay Wilder will make money anyways because Deontay Wilder right now is out, out of the picture because of that uh, surgery that he just had on his bicep, and he's still going to get step-aside money because there is a contractual obligation for Tyson Fury to face Deontay Wilder next. But they're, they're thinking oh. of having that fight as soon as December in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So if that's the case, and if Kater and Amanda Serrano will go on that fight card, they would have to wait until Saudi Arabia until December, but David, now that I say it, I would believe because Saudi Arabia ain't gonna let no two women in the ring over there. They don't even let the ladies face out. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, as I was saying, Katie Taylor, Mena Serrano in Saudi Arabia, it jumped in my mind that there weren't, there is no women in the audience, let alone in the ring. <laughs> I thought there was. I thought there was. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, maybe yeah, there was because I remember. I think Canelo Alvarez went. He went to that Andy Reese fight over there, and I think he took his uh, significant other. But I mean, I don't uh, even think yeah. let, I don't even know if they let women drive in Saudi Arabia, so I don't know if they'll let them fight. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying to uh, enlighten themselves because they've been taking a lot of criticism in Saudi Arabia. So under this new, uh, they have this new government uh, edict where they're trying to open up to the world and show a different Saudi Arabia, uh, they may open it up for that. I mean, I, I read a few articles based on that, and um, they are trying to do things differently. They were even thinking of allowing female boxing. That was one of the uh, wow. considerations. That would be amazing. Um, well, another one, another promoter that has publicly stated that he wants to reinstate boxing as soon as possible is Fernando Beltran of Stanford Promotions from here, Tijuana. He mentioned uh, recently that he wants to resume business as early as in June, and he wants to stage a four-bout fight card in the studios of the Azteca Channel in Mexico City, with the main event being uh, a 122-pound champion, Emmanuel Navarrete, but Beltran also mentioned that Jackie Nava could take part of that four-bout fight card, but did not specify if it would be against Mariana Juarez, which I think it would be very hard to do to make that fight without a crowd because I think that you would need the the revenue generated from uh, ticket sales to be able to pay a Jackie Nava-Mariana Juarez fight. I don't know if that mm. Seca Chano is going to pay that much in sanctioning. Although I believe, I would imagine that Emmanuel Navarrete makes a pretty good purse. Possibly him by himself can make as much as both Nava and Juarez would make. And they're willing to do that behind closed doors. So who knows? Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, everything's topsy-turvy. There's nothing. Nobody knows how to uh, figure this out completely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I watched that fight in Nicaragua that happened this last Saturday. I was able to uh, watch it online, and it was interesting. I mean, uh, you know, the, the crowd was about six feet apart from each other. You know, like if you went in with somebody, you were supposed to sit six feet each away from each other. Um, everybody was wearing um, masks except for the fighters. Even the ring cart girls were wearing masks. Uh, they were spraying everybody down as they were coming in and having them um, use antibacterial gel as they were walking in, provided by the uh, promoter. And then also they, they were checking. They were checking their temperature with uh, oh, with wow. one of those. Um, laser temperature checkers oh wow uh yeah i mean i've been i so like i I think i mentioned it last week i don't go out of the house i mean i go out for a little walk or maybe a run every day but obviously that is very easy to social distance yourself because you're running if you see somebody Mm -hmm. in the sidewalk you just run around them or whatever so the only day that i actually go out is on tuesdays when i go to do my grocery shopping for the week and mm-hmm. I be, I go to the I go to San Diego. I cross the border and go to San Diego to go uh, get some stuff over there. And then I go to the market here in Tijuana. And here in Tijuana, when you go to the market, they check your temperature with that laser, but they don't do it in San Diego. Oh, I haven't had my temperature checked one time in San Diego. And every time I go to the supermarket here, they check my temperature. So wow. some places, uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed by that. Um, don't do that here. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I haven't had my temperature checked in the United States at all, and in none of the supermarkets that I've gone. I mean, only I try, I, yeah. I tend to go to the same one, but I've gone to Costco, I've gone to Target, I've gone to uh, Vons, which is a super che- supermarket chain down here in Southern California, and none of them have checked my temperature. Yeah, I know my uh, nephew. Uh, works at Amazon. They get their temperature checked every day. Mm. Wow, yeah, every day. The stores, I mean, everything's so spaced out at the stores, and I'm sure they'll do that at the boxing events. But, I mean, and, you know, the people who are going to want to go are going to go. The people who are more cautious are going to stay home. So I think police, people are, are going to start to police, police themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, here in California, I suppose, according to the governor, there, he has set up, I don't know if you guys have checked it out, he set up a, a, a four-stage plan of us going, getting to back to quote-unquote normal and big mm-hmm. gatherings like concerts or uh, sporting events with audience. Uh, he's, they, according to the stages, we're not, we're not looking at anything like that until uh, 2021, first quarter of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think stage three, is he, he might allow sporting events to return but without an audience um but yeah. but as far as like concerts or or audience in a sporting event he's not expecting it to to restart until um early next year and with what happened this last week where they opened the beaches and people went over there like if it was fourth of july he's closing them up again <laughs> uh i think uh this monday yeah. coming up they're getting locked down so, yeah, it is yeah, what it is. I mean, yeah. people have but, to use common sense. Yeah, but yeah. some people don't have it. If people had common sense, we, <laughs> a lot of things wouldn't happen, you know? Now, going back to uh, <laughs> not not having common sense, does the WBC have common sense? Uh, despite, oh being re- 
Despite it had to use the segue somehow, Lupi. Come on. Despite being reinstated. <laughs> and it was a great segue, Felipe. <laughs> despite being reinstated as a WBO super middleweight champion, Franchon Cruz Desern is still waiting for the WBC to make a decision regarding the title after her last opponent, Alejandra Jimenez, came up positive for an illegal substance. We go, we all know the story. Back in January, she gave up positive. They, they, um, well, the W, they both took a while to strip her, the WBC and WBO. The WBO ended up stripping her and then reinstating Franchon Cruz as their middleweight, super middleweight champion. The WBC did not do that. They unrecognized Menace as the champion. And according to the WBC, they have not come to a decision because they have an ongoing investigation. Well, Cruz Desern is asking why it's taking so long, along with her promoter, Golden Boy Promotions, and she has gone publicly to state that if it was up to her, Jimenez should be suspended for at least two years for her positive. She stated that, you know, Jimenez um, affected the way that Cruz Desern uh, earned a living because as a champion, you obviously earn more than a challenger or a prospect or a uh, contender. And since she got in the way of her holding those two titles, the WBO and the WBC, you know, Jimenez has affected her her uh, her way of living or her uh, means of making a living, and that Jimenez should be uh, punished accordingly by a two-year suspension. So any news, David? I know that you've been trying to get some news on this WBC issue. <laughs> Why have they not made a decision yet? Hey, that's a good question. Uh, now, I've been trying, and uh, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything from any of my feeders or any of my contacts. Or uh, I know a lot of people that work with the WBC, but I've yet to receive an answer. Uh, I, I had a couple of times where they said they emailed me something, but I never received anything. Now, let me ask you this, David. <laughs> let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. As you, you know, and I know, and Lupe knows, and we, we, we're on social media and everything, we, and I know you guys have noticed that the WPC holds, like, pay, almost daily talks, different talks on different subjects. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've had, they've had you know, female, female champions on there, male champions on there. They had uh, judges and referees and, and, um, and uh, uh, what are the guys, the other guys called, the supervisors. They've had... Um, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. on there. They had Sugar Ray Leonard on there. I mean, you name it, they've been on a WBC talk. Women who are married, quote-unquote, to boxing have been on there. And today, today, April 30th, is uh, it's a child's day or Dia del Niño here in Mexico where kids are celebrated. If, if, if it wasn't for the pandemic, there would be events all over Tijuana, mm-hmm. Celebrating kids, giving them candy, no school, so on and so Aww. forth. So the WBC held. I don't watch. I've never seen one of these uh, talks. Okay, I just to go on the record for that. Um, but today I noticed, like, I, very quickly they had like a WBC one with kids. Kids were on there talking about boxing one way or the other. I don't know what was going on, but I saw like a screenshot of they had a kid one celebrating kids. But my question is this: How long pandemic? would have to go on for in this quarantine for the WBC to get so desperate to include David Avila and myself and perhaps other critics of the WBC to be on one of those talks. 
How long? Couple months? Three months? Six months? How long would it have to go? Well, I would say it's never going to happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, can I say something, Felipe? Can I add to that? You know, sure. the WBC talks, um, actually, we had um, one little boy from Babyface Boxing on the discussion, and then we had mm-hmm. our youngest beautiful brawler, Pearl Abelzadua, and she has two brothers who also boxed. They were also on it. I mean, there. I think that's really it was sweet to get the kids involved. But as for um, you, <laughs> what you were saying? <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, we got on the record before, and we'll go on the record on it again. We're not picking the WBC. I mean, you name the sanctioning body, and I would have something to say about it. And the WBC, on the other hand, they've done some great things for female boxing. I mean, they're the ones that possibly recognize it the most. They're the ones that that um, update their, their their rankings, not the most consistently, not not that consistent, but when you compare them to the other ones, the most consistently. And if we're talking about the WBO, they don't even have female rankings. So the WBC yeah. does that. They've held those two conventions. Um, no, they've held three conventions now. They hold one in Cancun, which was the first one. They held one in Tijuana which was the second one, and then they just held one not too long ago, well, last mm-hmm. at the end of last year, I believe it was, um, in the Philippines. Um, and we went yeah. to that. You, were, you went to that one, Lupi? Yeah, we went to the Philippines. Um, my sister and Martha have oh, been yeah. to the one in Mexico. I mean, Felipe, seriously, I mean, I love the WBC organization. I mean, they're, they're our, our boxing family. We're, we're close with them. You know, Martha Salazar is a WBC heavyweight champion that Blanca came, came out of babyface boxing and we're Northern California, WBC cares. Um, we love, we love Jill. We love Malte. We love Mauricio, but seriously, I mean, if we're going to talk about French on, I mean, I look at some of the things when I see the post about um, the Vada and, and in the back of my head, I'm like, I kind of roll my eyes because I'm like seeing, yeah, you're saying that, but at the same time, our world champion, Franchon uh, Cruz Desert, got the raw deal. I mean, she should, they should have given her back. It, it, it should have been as if the fight never existed. And if not, something similar, but they should have given her a belt back. I mean, everybody can see that. I mean, I kind of think, I didn't think that was going to, I was thinking they have to give it to her back. And, because if you're looking at it with open eyes, you should give it back to her. And the fact that it hasn't been done, it's kind of like, wow. You know, just you know, and you kind of say, Prior you know? to that, and then prior to that, the the, the famous uh, uh, non-release uh, of the drug testing between Katie Taylor and uh, Delphine Pursuit still hasn't mm-hmm. come out. I mean, yeah. that's that was over almost a year ago. And look up. what happened to Heather. Look what happened to Heather Hardy. That was one we talked about that. And it's kind of like, okay, that happened, and that was a big deal. Ten thousand dollar fine, which was, and then this happens, and you're like, okay, they're like, huh? What? It's not. I mean, it doesn't. It's not consistent. The w- doesn't I mean, they were fighting for the WBC international title, but it wasn't WBC that that uh, put down that ten thousand um, dollar. Fine. That yeah. was the state yeah. of New York. Yeah. Uh, Texas yeah. has yeah. Texas has ruled the uh, 
the the French on cruise Jimenez fight a no contest. So it, it is like it didn't it didn't happen, Lupi. Um so that's the thing with it. And going back to WBC, you know, obviously like we said, they do a lot for female boxing, but just because they do all that all those things for female boxing doesn't necessarily mean that that they can't be criticized for the things that they're not doing right, which mm-hmm. this is one of those cases. Now, whether they give the title back or not or when, or they make it vacant and they make French on Cruz earn the number one seed and she gets to fight whoever to win back the title. Mm-hmm. That that's 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 you know which one way or the other. But the fact that they haven't made a decision of regarding the title, that's the part mm-hmm. that we're criticizing. That's the part that yeah. we're criticizing. Then yeah. you know what David mentioned about the the results of the uh, Delphine Pursuit, Katie Taylor. Um, the fact that Brenda Flores didn't make weight when she fought Lulu Haddon and it was still mm-hmm. a title fight for both of them. That is another uh, critique that we've done here um, pretty heavily. So, and again, we're not just picking the WBC. We can go after the WBO. We can go after the WBA. We can go after the IPF. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. is the case on the, on the, uh, on the WBC with this story with French on Cruise Desert. Well, folks, mm-hmm. um, I guess we are ready now. For our interview, former WBA super middleweight champion, Alicia Napoleon. Okay. I guess we have a technical difficulty. It's currently 8.03. Pacific Coast time. I think we lost Felipe. Should we call him back? Hey, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes. Just like I just I was stating, when you're doing a show, things can happen and just happen. Um, Like I was saying, we had a little bit of a sound issue at some parts of the interview with Napoleon. So go ahead and bear with us, and we're gonna go ahead and go to that interview. So here we go. So so tell me, uh, where in New York do you live? I live in Long Island. Yeah, I live in Long Island, but I commute into the city every day. Oh, what's the situation like in New York, uh, you know, uh, at this time of day, you know, with the virus going on? What is it, what's it like over there? What's the state of affairs over there? Um, it's, it, it's pretty severe. It's really bad. You know, we're, we're like in one of the most, um, it's, it's right now, a lot of deaths and, um, a lot of long lines outside. Everybody's standing, you know, six feet apart if they got to go to the grocery store or, um, Home Depot or whatever. Cause I've been in and out of Home Depot cause my husband and I are renovating our house, but we're almost done, thankfully. But um, it's strange because, you know, you see everybody covered up, everybody with gloves, everybody with masks, you know, scarves or something around their their face. Um, you know, if you're in public and you got to sneeze or cough, everybody runs. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's some humor in this right now. But, um, no, it, it's a scary time. And, um, you know, a lot of new things, a lot of new cultures you see arising, like people – um, parading around in their cars, honking, holding signs out for people's birthdays or for people that have recovered and got home, have recovered from the virus. 
um, you know, you do see the community coming together and staying strong. Like where I live in Lindenhurst, Long Island, I see signs all over the place that uh, the town of Lindenhurst put together for the businesses and for the community saying, we're in this together, we'll get through this together. You know, um, encouraging locals to still support their local businesses, not to be scared, to still come by and pick up some food or something curbside. And and, um, and, and there is, like, a lot of communities that are trying to help and, and give food and give donations. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's we're in the worst of times, but I think it's, it's bringing out the best of people. So, you know, that's a good thing, too, because you could see that, still have decent humanity and people are are still willing and wanting to help one another and not shun each other away or be so selfish because it's um it's a strange world we went live in today and none of us have ever witnessed anything like this um so i think how does it compare to the 9-11 it's worse than that i mean more people have died um and it's a 11 has affected the entire world but so has this in such a greater capacity. Um, and we've lost, like, so many more people than 9-11. Not that 9-11 is to, were to downsize that. But I feel like 9-11 was when that happened, we're like, oh, my gosh, such a, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to us. But now it's like, well, what's going to top this coronavirus? Because this, like, this, this has just made, like, this is the top of the top. Like, we, the world has never witnessed anything like this. It's, it's insane. It sure is. Well, what about as a, as a boxer? I mean, you're, you're used to going to the gym. You're used to training, preparing. What has it done to you in, in terms of training and in terms of all the fighters that are around you? Um. That, that has hit really hard because I'm, I'm so used to working – uh, five to six days a week, which means I'm up at four in the morning um, almost every single day. I travel into the city. I train my clients. I teach my boxing classes. Then from there, I go to the boxing gym. Then I go to so from Overthrow, I go to Gleason. So I'll go from Manhattan or Brooklyn back into Brooklyn, and um, and I train like two to three hours in my training every day, at least five days a week, sometimes six. And I'm typically training twice a day. I have my run at one point of the day, and then I have my boxing training at one point of the day. Um, and sometimes I combine those two workouts, and sometimes I add in a third, which is my conditioning training. Um, so my body is – I don't even recognize myself. I'm like, I have went from 100 to zero in a sense because um, it, it hit really hard. It was almost like a, a small depression when and a fear – when this whole, the, everything went down, I'm like, oh, my God, my husband and I just bought a house in September. I'm like, how are we going to pay our mortgage? We can't survive on just one salary. I lost my job. He was still working, thankfully, but um, it was going to be really tight. Plus, we're in renovation, so we still need to, you know, buy supplies and, and, and buy major things, tools and wood and sheetrock and tile. and like This stuff adds up, so I'm like, how are we going to yeah. do this? Um, but God is good, you know. God, God is good. I gotta say, you know, being a faithful Christian and having faith has definitely gotten me through this moment in time. I think it's gotten a lot of people through time. Faith is super important. Um, this is a time of testing where God says, "Lean on me," you know, "Trust me." Like, don't, you know, you can't do it on your own. You got to do it with me. So you're forced to do it with me, whether you like it or not. And um, 
And I just kind of surrendered, and I was like, okay, you know what, God, like, you're going to pull through. And God did. So I've taken this time um, to really, like, just be faithful, lean on God, try to finish this house, and and things have pulled through. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like, overthrow, we're trying to really reach out to our community and give people um, – their fitness life still because it's it's not just for the athletes but it's for the average person as well so you know classes each week which i just got finished doing one at 11 o'clock um so that was a blessing because people were so grateful for it that they just were tipping me on my venmo and i was like wow like this i wasn't even expecting these hundreds of viewers and people sending money just to be thankful little things and it adds up and it's helped us um but it's a big shock that I have not been able to um, train the way I'm used to. I, I was I, I ordered a heavy bag on Amazon. Um, you know, I, I try to get out and run, but I said, you know what? At the time, I'm going to just pull back. I'm going to embrace what we're going through as a as, as a country, as a world, and I'm just going to slow down, focus on my house. Um, run throughout the week, do what I can. And then when things get back to normal, I'll get back to normal. It's just a season that it's almost like God is forcing us to slow down and kind of important. Does it seem like a a long time ago during your last fight when you you fought for the world title? Does it seem like a century ago? Um, Yeah, in a sense. Probably fighting right now. You know, I fought in January, and then, you know, I would probably have already finished my next fight for this year, or getting ready, you know, to get in the ring. So that's that's discouraging in the way because I I had a goal this year. You know, that was a grand mm-hmm. fight. We had a, I was on Showtime. Um, you know, Clarissa and I are going to be fighting, of course, down the line. Talking about, you know, bringing me back on Showtime, hopefully another time fight. You know, facing Clarissa, um, because that's the big talks about her and I. Um, all great, wonderful things in the boxing world, great, wonderful things for me. And I was really mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing a grand year this year and next. So this slowing me down because I, I really want to have some children soon. You know, my husband and I, I have two daughters. He has two daughters, but I didn't make them yet. And I want to have some of my own children, so I, I was hoping to, you know, get another uh, couple of years in and then start to slow down and have a family and maybe go back to the ring after I have some kids. But I wanted to get the big stuff out of the way first and kind of slow down and because of all those voices on the phone commentating, which is what I, I have been doing for probably about a year now, and I love it. Um, but it, it definitely threw a wrench in my plans. But, um, you know, going back to my faith, God, God's way is better than our own, and sometimes um, he, takes, he takes us for a turn. So I just know that it will all work itself out. I will have those big fights, those TV appearances, and my children will come in good time, just on God's time, not my own. How do you feel about the situation in female boxing right now? Uh, is it the best of times, or, or do you see things really happening a lot quicker and a lot better than ever? Uh, yeah, it's definitely on the rise. It's definitely um, gradually going up. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see that. It's, it's 
It's um, it's it's going. I feel that eventually it's going to be equal. Like we're still not being paid the same as men. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I fought this last fight with Elin, my promoter, every even like um, Showtime was like they were so impressed. They were so happy. It was a it was a fight of the night. That night that fight was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my promoter was like, you didn't get what you deserved. Yeah, I got a little bit more than I'm used to. Um, like three years ago, that would have been like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting what I'm getting. But it's it's still not enough. It's not even a fraction of what the guys are getting. Um, and it's it's sad because we put everything to the sport. We we just want to be looked at as as athletes. We want to be looked at equally. We want to be treated equally. You know, we're not we're not going in there and and giving some fluffy fight like we're going in there and putting everything on the line we're putting all our heart and soul into that ring and we're jeopardizing everything that the men jeopardize so we just um you know women in general we're we're, we're anxious um to be treated equally to be paid fairly not fairly equally um because people we are seeing a higher interest people are are, are shocked people that have um labeled us as women and stereotyped us and had uh, this mindset that women don't fight well, they're not um, entertaining, they're not appealing, they're, they're wrong, and they're, they're noticing that they're wrong. Like, well, like these, sometimes these girls put on a better than a men, and most of the time they do, and it's because we have so much to fight for. Like, we're so hungry. We're just so, we, we want the opportunity so bad. We're paving the way for you know, for the the women that are coming after us and the women that are with us. Like, you know, we really are in this together, and I think there's a lot of sportsmanship among the women. Um, yeah, yeah, I think but so, I, Yeah, but we're definitely, you know, without a doubt, I know it's going to get there. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping and praying that I'm going to reap some of the benefits um, along with paving the way for the girls. That. I'm going to pass you on to Lupe. Thank you very much, though, Alicia. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Hey, Alicia. Hey, it's great to speak with you. I oh, love you too. Thank you. I love your spirit. I love your Long Island accent. And your lipstick is your stamp. And oh, we girl, really love that's it. what my grandmother always told me. My grandma always says, keep that red lip, girl. <laughs> yeah, you look great before and after your fight. Mm. So, Alicia, Alicia, forgetting just for a moment about our current situation with the COVID virus and the lockdown, you and Elin really set the tone for boxing in 2020, and not just female boxing, but boxing, period. It was a one-point fight. It was a one-point fight, and and ever the champion, you know, your post-fight press interview was an absolute class act. I mean, you gave your opponent props, um, and you had a clear head when you were speaking, you know, about what was next. And with that being said, is it just boxing to you where you truly accept the loss, you regroup, like you said, and continue on? And I'm asking because it's an incredible attitude. There was no defeat in your tone whatsoever in that interview. Uh, thank you so much, Luffy. I really appreciate hearing that. Um, and it is. It is that. It is just boxing. Like, um, that doesn't mean I don't put everything into it, but... I think it's very important for people to see around the world that I can accept my um, situation no matter what the cost, no matter what the outcome. I want people to see the grace of God in me 
whether I win, lose, or gain a draw. Um, because that's my purpose. It's it's not about material things. It's not about status. It's not about that. It's about love. It's about doing what you know you're meant to do and spreading love, light, motivation, you know, and being the way. Letting people see your spirit and what you're made of, no matter what the outcome. Because I know at the end of the day, I'm God's champion. It doesn't matter whether I have a belt or not. I know I'm a champion. I know I'm God's champion. I know I'm, I'm in that ring for a greater purpose, and it should be a light, and a light of positivity, and a light to hold my head up high no matter what. Because God brings us through moments in our life that are high and low, and we got to give glory in every situation. Yeah, we do. You know, I noticed we say the same things, like our organization, we like Stronger Together, the sisterhood. And I noticed you did too, and that's why I know you mean it. I mean, I know oh, you I do. do. I do. Thank you so much. I think you, you can tell, like, when people are genuine or not. And, I, like, I do mean it because we are in this together, and mm-hmm. I'm no different than anybody else. Like, we're all equal at the end of the day. It's just how much do you want it, how much do you fight for it, how much do you strive for it. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only thing that kind of sets us apart, but really everybody has the same opportunity. And like, I, I really want to spread that message too. Like if you have a dream, like up there and reach it. Like don't let nothing stand in the way because like it's almost like society and life is built to kind of bring us down at times and deter us from our mission. Um, mm-hmm. those are, those are things that we have to fight. We have to fight through that. Like, it, it, it's just, you have to have confidence. Confidence doesn't happen overnight. Confidence does take a process to get you there. And I am so much more stronger mentally and physically than I was years ago. And when I was a little girl, I just knew I was meant to do big things. I didn't know exactly what it was. Originally, I... I wanted to be an artist, a singer, but I knew I was always supposed to be on a stage, uh, performing, speaking. I knew that that's what it was. And I ended up in the boxing ring rather than the stage singing and dancing. But I just know that I I never let go of my heart. I knew I had to do I had to do something big. It had to be something meaningful. And I didn't always believe in myself, and I was told so many times I wasn't good enough, pretty enough, fit enough, skinny enough, smart enough. But those voices, I I had to take them and let them fuel me for the greater good. I had to take them and let them make me better and tear me down because they can tear you down if you let them. So I just want people to understand they're not alone when they're being put down or even when they look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Even the greatest people in this world have those same emotions, but we we choose to fight them, and it and it takes a village to fight them sometimes. So make sure you have your faith, and make sure you have your good friends and family around you. But even if you don't, you can. Yeah, and that's such a great message for the younger people, and I'm talking the younger girls, the teens, the preteens. You have to use your gifts. Don't be afraid of your gifts or ashamed of your gifts. If you're really pretty. Use it. If you're really funny, use it. If you've got great talent, use it. Don't try to smother your shine. Yeah, and don't try to fit into the, um, what society's telling you to do. Like, be different. Like, I tell my daughters all the time, like, be different. If you're weird, 
that's cool. Be weird. Be different. Be you. But whatever you do, do not be like the rest of them next to you. Be who yeah. you are. Whether whether your peers accept it or not, be who you are. As long as it's bringing good into this world, be you, baby. And that's them all the time. I love that. So, Alicia and, and uh, Felipe and David, quickly and bear with me, guys. So, in 2015, you, co- you co-founded Overthrow Boxing. In 2018, mm-hmm. you made history when you fought Hannah Rankin and you beat her by a unanimous decision for the WBA super middleweight title at the NYCB Live, which was the first time a women's boxing match had taken place at the arena. Also, in mm-hmm. 2018, you were named Ring 8 New York State Female Fighter of the Year. You've trained Adriana Lima, Britney Spears. You've been featured in Allure, Muscle and Fitness, Boone University, Everlast. And your paintings were also on display at Gallery 212 in the Wynwood Art District. And recently, we've had the pleasure of hearing you commentate at Lou DiBella's Boston on Broadway. You're a hardworking woman, no doubt. And you touched on this a bit, but how does, God, how does your faith in God play in your successes and your life journey? Uh, my basis, that's everything. Um, without my faith in God, I would not have accomplished this. Um, he's brought me here. It, it, he gets the credit. He has instilled the desire and the fire in me to do what I do, and he has paved the way for me. Um, and he's brought me through so many moments in my life where I had to fully surrender because I used to, I wanted this life, but I wanted it for me. I wanted it selfishly. And um, God brought me down so low to a point in my life where I even questioned if God was real. I almost didn't even believe in him anymore. And that was a very scary place. I mean, such a dark place um, that I never want to go there again. And I pray that God never lets me fall that far away again. But he did it for a purpose. He let me do it so I could see where I need to be and where my values need to be. And that I need to do this life that I want to live, the what's in my heart is there for a reason. It's not that I'm not meant to succeed, um, but I'm meant to succeed for him. So that so it plays a major part. Because the second I surrendered and I didn't do it for my own selfish reasons and I truly wanted to do it for whatever God wants to use me for, it's when I started to see my success climb and elevate up to the top of the mountain. Yeah, I've been, I've been there right where you were, and I never want to go back there again either. And now look at us. That's right. You know? Right along that's with God. A that's a testimony for other people. I, um, it, it's so nice to hear when you can touch people's lives. And, um, like, there, there's this man, Mike, that battles can- cancer. He's FMF. I don't know if you heard of him, but he's a big supporter of women's boxing. And he, he tries to get all of us on there and do interviews and he- to all our fights, and he's a really nice man. Um, and he had me on Instagram, and we did a live interview. We just, you know, nonchalant talking about boxing, about marriage, about faith, about relationship, about so many things. Um, and after that, he, he reached back out. He goes, do you know you, you actually touched someone's life, that this girl gave her life to Christ because of you speaking? And that's, that's it. That's like... And God says it, it's the one that matters. It's not the many. It's just that one person. If you could bring that one person to give their life to Christ, to change their life, that's all that matters because we are all that important that it's really only just that one because that one will end up touching me, and it's a dominant effect. So I was I was just so blessed to hear that. Um, 
it, it, it brings me so much satisfaction and it lets me know, okay, I'm doing good work. I'm doing the right thing and let me just continue what I'm doing, but in, in a different way. Like, and I love church and church is great and I go to church all the time, but God's bringing the church out into the world too. And the, the church for me is like the boxing ring and I'm able to reach people on that platform with a podium and I'm preaching. And it, it's really, it's really nice that, um, that I'm able to touch lives and hope to continue to do it. Yeah, you know, that was a beautiful story. I love that, too. So one last question. How do you like what Team Empire has built with such a strong stable of women warriors, and where do you as a veteran fit into that now? Oh, well, um, I think I was one of the Brian Cohen. Uh, he's a great manager. I, I love him. Um, he's rough around the edges. He's tough, <laughs> and he's loving at the same time. Um, you know, he, he's been pioneering with us. You know, from the very beginning, he believed mm-hmm. in us. He believed in women. Um, and we've seen something good in him. Like, despite what people say, because this is a rough business, people either love Brian or hate Brian. Um, and because he's tough and he gets the job done and he won't take any BS for his girls. So, yeah. you know, I saw something, but, you know, he was managing Rasa Jeffrey and St. Bill at the time. He still does manage them right now. But he had only them, and the girls spoke very highly of him. So I, I reached out to him and we spoke. He I was such a diva. Because, <laughs> um, we worked it out. We worked it out, and uh, we, we became very close a great working relationship and um it's nice to know we've seen uh, thrive and grow and change together and we've done it together and i have so much for the sport together so i know that uh we are definitely um putting our stamp on this sport and women and it's nice to have a, a man that backs us so much because i think it's not just the women that need to come together but the men need to, to just and support us just as much to show that we are a team, that men and women are there to together. Yeah. Next god created us to be each other's helpmates and to lift one another up and when one's weaker the other's stronger and it goes back and forth it's like a seesaw and we're meant to work together and build build things up to to be great. So um, he's a great example uh, for men to um, and to not be sexist, but to give it a chance and to work really hard in what you can do when you do believe in in someone. He's done great things. He has some champions. He's he's uh, very smart with what he does. He he genuinely cares and works extra hard for us. Um, so he's an amazing man in the sport. I told him he I'm, I'm nominating him for best female manager of the year when Ring 8 has another uh, award ceremony because he's he's most deserving of it. He is most deserving. And it's nice to have that difference because we are different. Men are different, women are different, and there's nothing wrong with that. And together it works oh. really well. Absolutely. We're designed to be different, so it's, it's the perfect match when we come together. Mm-hmm, it is. Lisa, thank you so much. I'm so stoked I got to talk with you. Me too. Thank you. I'm sorry it took a little while, but I'm glad we got finally got there. We took a minute for this time. 
I hope we do it again soon. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to pass you to Felipe. All right, thank you. Hi, Alicia. Um, uh, let's get back into a little bit of your career. Of all the fights you've had and all the wins that you've had, which one are you most proud of? Um, I think uh, the Hannah Rankin one. I think when I – that was just such a beautiful night. I was my A game that night. I feel like I fought the best I've ever fought there. I was just – just felt like I glided through that whole fight with my defense. I mean, that was – pivotal moment in my career, I feel like that is when all my training and technique with my new camp, the moment that I elevated and I was able to get to a next level as an athlete and a fighter, and it's shown. Uh, it just, it saddens me because when it wasn't captured on camera, you can't ever fight anywhere. Um, I first came out there to fight in NYCB Live, and and I, I wasn't, because I was a female and we're still fighting that fight, I wasn't treated fairly. People don't know that fight even existed. If you're a true boxing fan, and if you were in that arena, that's the only time people are able to see such a beautiful performance, and it's sad that you can't go back and see the fight. But that, is, um, that, was, that was an amazing fight. That's my, my, I'm most proud of that fight. I loved it. Now, two, two fights before that, but actually two years before that, you suffered your first loss against Tori Nelson down in Virginia, which is, I believe, the first time that you ever went out of New York. What can you tell us about that night in Virginia against Tori Nelson? Yeah, I was I was confident because I, I believed in myself, and I was extremely hard, expecting to come home with a loss. But I don't like to say loss. I say lesson because that – it made me some things going back home, and I became so much better from that night. But, um, you know, I I was fearless, ready to step out of my element, fight out of New York. The opportunity came. I took it. I wanted to get in. I wanted a huge card with a mix of professionals and amateurs. I was tonight. Um, it was a dark, dinky, like, warehouse that they rented. There was no cells at all. I was stuck up in a back room. It was freezing cold. There was no heat. There was just cement walls, dark. It was cold. Um, you know, the gloves were gross. I mean, it was everything was everything was going wrong, but still I didn't feel it didn't affect me. I was just like, all right, this is boxing, you know. Let's go in. And, um and I fought tooth and nail. You know, Tori hit me with, I think it was an overhand right that hurt me in the third round, and it was hard to recover from it. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't slow me down. I fought tooth and nail with that girl. We went the distance, and it was a decision. I feel that if we were in luck, they would have probably edged the, the difference my way and might have given me the victory because I, I feel that it was, it was closer than people expected and thought. Um, but Tori is, is a great woman. I, I, I met Tori, you know, we befriended each other after the fight, but she did tell me and everybody else that she's like, damn, Alicia is a true fighter. Like, when that girl hit me, I knew that this was for real. So she brought her A game too because I was a pushover, 
and um, and I gave Tori everything I, I I had that night to try and take her victory, her, but it has been a favor. So you know it is what it is. You you, know, you take it on the chin and you move forward, and that fight definitely made me better because I knew that there's more in me and there's more to accomplish. And I had to keep going, and I didn't want to lose again. So I had to I had to train harder and smarter, and that's exactly what I did. Now. In your last fight, which I, I agree with Luke, it, it gave a, a, a huge start to the year. Um, it was a great fight. Like you said, it was a fight of the night. Um, in watching videos and getting ready for Sideru's, did you notice, like, her lack of, of technique uh, before going into the fight? Um, no, I think, you know, Elin is a professional athlete. You know, outside of being a professional fighter, Elin is a professional soccer player. So I knew she she had a natural athleticism, and anybody with a natural athleticism, um, they learn quickly. They're an athlete. Like, if I'm to go trans, I'm naturally going to be good because that's how I was my entire life. I was always an athlete. I was MVP on everything that I played throughout high school. I was always the best player because I'm competitive and I'm naturally athletic. So um, I knew Elin was technically greener than me, but I not made anything because she, she's walking in as an athlete already. I can see her physique. I can see how she moves. She's bigger than me. She's I mean, she's huge. You could see her before. She towered over me. Um, but, you know, she's naturally a 168-pounder or up. I'm naturally a 154, top 168. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't underestimating her. I knew that she was going to be tough because I knew that she was a natural athlete. So I knew this was going to be a, a, one of my hardest fights if and, and the fights are going to get harder. That's what we're looking for. We have to climb that ladder. The challenges have to be tougher. If not, it's like, what's the point in doing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, and, and once inside the ring, what made it so difficult? What was so difficult about her? Was it her height? Was it her reach? That you made the fight um, so She was a little awkward. You know, it was like, she, she was like, very big. I mean, her height and her 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 reach was her reach is very long. So that always makes it harder for um, a smaller opponent to get inside. Um, but she has this awkward gawkiness about her that sometimes the weirder the fighter, the harder it is to know what they're going to do, what they're going to throw. Um, and I think also my team got they never see me get knocked down like. Like, Elin caught me with a great left hook. I slipped to the left, and then I went to slip back to the right to slip that punch. But when I slipped back, I dropped my hand. I dropped my right hand, and she caught me clean. So, you know, something I learned from that fight is, like, i got to tighten up my defense. I have great defense. I have great head movement, but it's really hard to move fluidly and keep your hands up. So I've been working on that. I have to keep my hands up and still be able to move the way I move. But, um, you know, she's just, she was a bigger fighter. She was a bigger fighter that night. And, um, and she had a, a, an awkward gawky style a little bit, even though she was pretty basic, but she had good solid basics. And, um, 
basics are super important for any fighter. We can never forget our basics. And the basics that I have to keep my hands up, because if I didn't, I would have gotten knocked down. And because I was a got knocked down, I think my corner panicked a little bit. And throughout some of the rounds in that fight, I feel like I wasn't getting clear instruction. I felt that I was a little bit blinded in some of those moments. And um, I, I wasn't led as clearly as I was used to being led in other fights because they used to sing, they never seen me. That was the first time I'd ever been knocked down. Um, but the good thing about it is I know what it feels like to get knocked down, and I know I have enough force right out of that. Like, I, I was not going to give up, and there's a warrior champion in me. So... I was, to be honest, I was. I'm glad I was able to experience that. I I would not change a thing in that fight. I w- if we had to go back, I'd do it again, the same way, all over again. It's about myself, and it's only going to make me better. Now that's pretty a uh, pretty frank answer uh, regarding the your corner and uh, the loss of focus, perhaps because I had never seen you get knocked out. Have you had a conversation with them regarding that and 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 it moved on from there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have great communication with us. Um, and, yeah, we've spoken about that, and, and everybody has taken responsibility for that loss. Everybody played a part and done better and held it together. But, um, again, like, there's no mistakes. It, it, everything really did play out the way it was supposed to play out to make to make each and every one of us better next time around. So, um, you know, like no hard feelings. Like I accepted it's, it's, it was a beautiful loss to be honest with you. But I fought amazing. I looked amazing. It was like one stinking point. And, um, and I'm grateful for my opponent to be able to, to gain the victory. And I, and I want to start with her because I know I can beat her. And, um, you know, I would love that opportunity to fight Elin again. I know Showtime wants it, so that's something we're looking to do. Um, but in in the meantime, until that is 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 done and locked in on paper, when we're past this pandemic, um, we'll probably we did speak about fighting in my real weight class, which is 154, 160. So we'll next fight will probably be around one of the uh, two weight classes and. Uh, when the opportunity arises, I'll go back up and, and rematch Elon and, and take my title back. So that is that, that, leads, that leads to my next question where um, you think you're dropping down to 154, 160, so you will be looking at Shields first before looking for the rematch against Elon. Yeah, that's possible. Possibly I'll, I'll fight um, Clarissa before I fight Elon again. Um, but it's nice to know that I have some variety and opportunities to be showcased again because uh, fighting Clarissa is, is awesome and people have been talking about us fighting. Um, and now people are probably going to want to see that fight with me and Elon too. So those are two great TV fights that I think Showtime is to put us on um, because clearly Elon and I have, have spoke for the sport night that it's, it's not just Clarissa Shields who also gives a great performance, but also Elin and also myself and also uh, 
so many other fighters. So I feel that Elon and I have definitely set the tone for women's boxing, We for boxing in general. We gained so much respect from both male and female that night. Um, we proved that there's more stars outside of Clarissa Shields um, that, that are deserving of this platform. And um, there's more rivalry to, to make amongst the women. Um, so I think Elon and I did, did great things for, for boxing in general in January. Thank you, Alicia, for your time, for calling in. Uh, we want to thank you for being on the show. And before you go, why don't you go ahead and share your social media so uh, all the fans listening to you can follow your journey. Oh, definitely. I would love that. Um, please, everybody, follow me on Instagram at Boxing Napoleon. Um, that's where I put everything on. Facebook is Alicia Napoleon. Um, and my uh, my Twitter is Napoleon Boxing. It's, it's, just Google Napoleon Boxing Napoleon. You'll find me. I hope you guys follow me. <laughs> I hopefully there'll be some fights coming up this year. If not, they can catch me every Thursday morning at 11 on Overthrow's Instagram page. And you guys can work out with me um, and get through this, this pandemic together. But, yeah, follow, follow my journey because there's a lot more to come from the Empress. Thank you, Alicia. You well, thank you very much, Alicia. Thank you, guys. Stay safe, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Here we have it, our interview. First time we have her on the show, Miss Alicia, Mrs. Alicia Napoleon Espinosa. One thing I do want to mention, I think after the five um, episodes that we have of, of the two-minute round in the last, I think it's been about three years, it's the first time we mentioned lipstick in an interview, Lupi. <laughs> Girl stuff, Felipe. I know. So, some interesting things. Uh, Napoleon Espinosa mentioned that one of them is uh, the fact that she is planning on going down to 154 pounds uh, for her next. One thing that we had talked about in the past when we had talked about Alicia Napoleon was the fact that. When she was fighting at super middleweight, she wasn't hitting the limit of 168 pounds. She was kind of hovering over 160, uh, 161, 162, and she basically confirms the fact that obviously she's not a 168 pounder. That she only went up to that weight class because she got the opportunity to fight for the world title, and she is planning going down to 154. With that said, imagine the fights that could be made with her and her past and and, and taking into account her past performance, Edwin said he ruse, uh Eline said ruse, per, uh sorry, David, where she could match her up against Decary uh, Mary Eve Decary at the the uh the guests are in our last show on episode number eighty four. Uh, obviously after she fights Clarissa Shields. There could be an Anna Gabriel's fight in her future. There could be a rematch with Anna Rankin, which she mentioned was the fight that she was most proud of up till now. There could be a fight against Maricela Cornejo and even a fight against Raquel Miller. So I think she has a lot of options there, David, at hundred and fifty four pounds. David, are you there? Can you hear me, David? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she does have a lot of options. And it's uh, incredible that uh, that the women's boxing world has suddenly opened up and a lot of divisions are really, you know, getting uh, 
that exposure and getting uh, competition and interest. Mm-hmm. I also believe that even if she stays at one, because she mentioned 154 to 160, that if she decides to take a good fight at 160, a Christina Hammer fight would be a good fight as well at 160 on Showtime, since both of them have been featured on the channel. Absolutely. Yeah, I, really, that's, I didn't even think about that, but that's a good fight. Yeah, yeah that would be great. The one thing that I also appreciated about that interview was I, I really I really like I mean David you have a lot you have a lot more experience than I do in interviewing fighters and, and people in boxing and especially fighters and you know I mean I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of fighters I can only imagine that you've interviewed thousands or done a thousands of interviews um in your career but one thing that it's that you know, we get a lot of in, in doing interviews is, you know, you get these packaged canned answers where they're basically just saying the same thing over and over and they don't really give you anything and they're not really being genuine or, or themselves. And in this interview, I think that she was very frank with her answer about that loss mm-hmm. and about the mistakes that not only she mm-hmm. made in that fight, you know, by dropping that right hand and getting hit flush, which sent her down to the, uh, to the canvas and which at the end of the night cost her the fight. Cause there was a one point difference in those, on those, um, uh, uh, judges cards. If she wouldn't have gone down, it would have been a draw all the way across. Cause the, the scores mm-hmm. I think were like 90, 95, 94. So if she wouldn't have gone down and lost that point with that knockdown it would have been a draw. She would have still been the WBA super middleweight champion. Oh, and she, mm-hmm. well, yeah, she would have been the WBA champion and, and Cedric would have kept her IBF title. Mm-hmm. But she was so frank in her answer of her mistake of dropping her right hand. And the fact that, that her, her corner also were impacted by the knockdown that they weren't able to focus <laughs> for the rest of the night and give her some good advice. I really like that answer. And I really like her frankness in, in mm-hmm. that answer. Here. Oh, that was very interesting. I, I was, like, amazed that you brought that up. But, you know, you, you brought up a really good point about the fact that she's so frank and so uh, open about, you know, who she is. But, you know, one of the things that I took out of this interview is that she really gets it. She really gets about the, there's a big difference between professional boxing and amateur boxing. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand this. She gets it. Prize fighting or professional boxing is really about entertainment. It's about providing mm-hmm. entertainment, making people want to see you again. Win mm-hmm. or lose, you know, wins are important, but if you really give your all, people remember you. They don't even care mm-hmm. if you lost. They just know that you gave a great fight. They want to see you do it again. And that's lost in almost 80% of the boxers. She gained so much respect after that fight, and, I, and I'm sure she doesn't care what people think of her, but she gained a lot of for me included. I mean, I was... I, I, oh, yeah. She already went in knowing she was having a tough fight. It wasn't like she was you know, going to fight a three-in-one, you know? She went in. That was a huge That was a huge point, David, that you just made, and, 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 uh, and something that you mentioned on the show uh, a lot before, where it's entertainment, and, like you, and you're exactly mm-hmm. right what you just said, where I don't really care if she lost. I mean, she it was a great fight. And David and, and Lupe mentioned it on the uh, 
on the interview where it really set the tone. And we mentioned that after on the show, I remember mentioning this on the show, the show that we had right after the fight, where she mm-hmm. really set the tone for 2020 uh, and what we expected of female boxing for this year. Unfortunately, you know, there's been a big obstacle now in the middle of it, and hopefully we can get back to it before the end of the year, maybe behind closed doors. I mean, the fact that Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano might be behind closed doors in July doesn't take away the fact that that's a great great fight and a fight that I really want to see, whether it's in in, in Maywood Boxing Club or at the Manchester Arena <laughs> with no fans in there, you know? That's a good a fight I want to see. So, um, and, and because it's entertainment. Now, Lupe, one thing that uh, Alicia also mentions in, in this interview, in which it's something that we forget sometimes because we see these women with boxing gloves and punching each other and, and going through these grueling fights and, and we talk about their camps. But at the end of the day, you know, although we, especially on this show where we really make it a point of seeing them as fighters first and women second, they are women. And one thing that, mm-hmm. that Alicia mentions is, how the COVID-19 pandemic has kind of put a little bit of a, of a obstacle in her plan for her life because obviously she wants to keep fighting. She's 34 years old, but she's recently married. She wants to have children. And that's something that we sometimes don't take into account because a, a male boxer yeah. could go and have all the kids he wants and keep fighting. Whereas a female obviously has to put, a nine month, at least a nine month break uh, in her career, and then whatever time she's gonna take after having the the baby, in you know, come, getting back in shape and feeling like herself again, um, you know. So, what did you take on that on that comment that she made up as far as wanting to have children and how it affects a female fighter? Yeah, you know, I know that was probably the first thing. One of the first things she thought of was her her span, you know, because we just we do have that limited span. But what she's thirty four. Mm-hmm. She has a little bit of time. She has a little bit of time to do it. And twenty twenty is out. She, obviously, she's gonna keep on training. I know she has a lot going on, but she can. Um, she can do it. When you're 35 and a woman, I mean, you're pretty strong. You're in your prime. And after you have that kid, you get a little tougher. And when we mm. saw it with Marlene, too, she came back and she, you know, she was tougher. She could take those hits. She can, she can come back with, with, with work. She's, Alicia's so dedicated. But she can do it. It'll make it tough. Every woman's different, but she can do it. Still, um, Hold maybe hold it off for a little bit longer of having a child or get it out of the way. Not get it out of the way, but wow, go ahead and do it take that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hold, it off hold it off a little bit. She's thirty four. She can do it. A couple years. But you but as a as a woman you don't want to wait too long because there's always that there's always that risk, you know, you get older and you know, we've there's other boxers who have I've talked to, I've talked to um Mighty Melissa McMorrow, she's same thing, you know. What am I doing? I want to get, you know, I want to have a baby, and it once you get that certain age, it becomes real, you know, because it's for most women or women like Alicia, 
it's in her, you know. She has that maternal instinct, and she wants to do it. Others can put it aside. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but that's feel, a big sacrifice. I yeah, I feel that. That's a big sacrifice. That husband, her, yeah. Her husband's on her team, too, so that helps because he can help her get there, you know? Mm-hmm. But that that is a big sacrifice that sometimes we don't take in consideration um, when we when we talk about it and see these fighters um, do their thing. You know, a lot of them, you know, they have significant yeah. others and, and they're married and they, and they put their, their, their families on hold to pursue mm-hmm. their dreams um, as female fighters. I mean, they start boxing at an early age. You know, their prime time is in their 20s and their early 30s. And maybe by the time that they reach their mid-30s and late 30s, it's a little bit late compared to conventional society to have children, but they do. Jackie Nava did the same thing. I mean, she didn't have her two daughters until she was past, I think, maybe late 20s, if not early 30s. But then there's been other fighters who who maybe they planned it or maybe they didn't, but they had their children early on in their careers or when they were still kids um, or younger, like Mariana Juarez and, and others. And then there's some, like, one that I admire a, a, a great deal in uh, La Cobra Adelaida Ruiz, where she oh, yeah. went and had kids, and and that was her life. She got a career, and 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 you were supporting her kids, and then she said, you know what? Let me do what I need to do because I don't want to have regrets. And she has three kids, and she's out there boxing in her late twenties. So it's pretty admirable. I think there's a lot of females out there as well that you know could possibly have children, but holding off because of the way that it would affect their, um, their careers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, yeah. that we don't take in consideration. I think that it would be a great study of speaking to um, retired female fighters or female fighters close to retirement and ask them if maybe the fact that they didn't have, not by us doing the study because I, we don't like, I mean, we tend not to pry into people's personal life, but it would be like a somebody that's doing some kind of thesis for school to to ask them, um, you know, how much of a, of a decision was their boxing career to possibly not have children or, or have them very late in life. I think it would be a very interesting study if somebody could mm-hmm. get around to doing that as far as a, a, a student or something like that. So anything else that you guys would like to add before we uh, wrap up the show? Yeah, I, one thing that I, I really want to know, and I, I think I'm going to delve into that, is find out uh, what's uh, going to transpire regarding women's boxing on television uh, or streaming or, or uh, Internet. Um, I think it's coming close. I've been hearing June. Uh, so I think by the two, our next uh, session, we should have an answer. May 14th is... Our scheduled next show every other Thursday here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the two minute round. Loopy, have a great night. Uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And, um, <laughs> you know, stay home, stay safe. David, you as well. And with that said, we thank you all for right, being here. Here we go. Four two minute rounds. Of- good night. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye bye.